2: Tittle!
3: Thank you for that. Hey, welcome back to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle on a hump. That National Taco Day, I think that's, they usually do that newscast. They do the same one two days in a row. That had to be yesterday's, right? I mean, it's Taco Tuesday. Why would there be National Taco Day on a Wednesday?
4: Just the actual date. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is flawed. It should have been Tuesday. It should be but, the first Tuesday.
3: But all the time, that's the voice of Dominic Commanders on the other side of the glass. I'm Rick Tittle. we got three hours. I want to hear from you. Not that he's bad, but I want to hear from you. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call. 1-800-878-7529. Get you in and get you heard. Wherever you might happen to be listening around the world. That's because I am proud and privileged of being on the American Forces Radio Network. 500 outlets, 177 countries. Ships at sea, dare I say AWACS overhead as well. AWACS or some wax? AWACS. There used to be a thing on statues that would say uh, cera, which means without wax in Rome, which meant that it wasn't a copy, it was the actual original statue. So you'd always look for "cinecera" if you were buying a statue in Rome. These are the types of things that are so... Essential for you to know and you learn on a sports talk show. Uh, Joe Zimmerman's going to join us on the other side. He has a new comedy special on YouTube. Uh, CNN's Jake Tapper, he'll come by. He has written a historical novel, it's not his first. We'll bring him in. Uh, Vince Van Patten will join us once again. Eight is enough. And, um,. He is with the World Poker Tour. And then we'll have our author, Irving Muchnink. He has a new nonfiction book called Without Helmets or Shoulder Pads, which is about my prom. What? 1-800-878-PLAY. Let's do this. Come on back.
5: At Staples, you can count on every project being print-perfect, guaranteed. I need invitations and posters printed, and they have to be perfect.
2: I need beautifully bound booklets and presentations for my business.
5: Your invitations and booklets will be in captivating color and will be done right every time. That's Staples Print Big Promise. And right now at Staples, get $50 off your print purchase of $150 or more. Try Staples and see the difference. Ends ten fourteen. Exclusions apply. See associate or visit staples.com slash print for details.
3: Hey, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and around the world, on the American Forces Radio Network. You know, I'm a big comedy nerd, love getting the comedians uh, on the show, and uh, it's great to bring in uh, Joe Zimmerman, who has a new YouTube comedy special. Joe, welcome to the show. And over the years, getting to know some of the comedians and and uh, finding out that not to be prosaic, but a lot of uh, streaming services were thought, you know, straight white male, boring. And so guys like Mark Norman and Joe List and Shane Gillis and Sam Murill, they all just put their thing on YouTube, shot it themselves, and then they would get 10 million views and everyone <laughs> would turn around and say, okay, okay, we'll put you on Netflix. Is that is that kind of the way it goes now?
9: Uh, yeah, I would say, uh, that's funny, I would say so, yeah. Uh, YouTube is is the testing ground there's a lot of uh there's a lot of people that probably could have gone straight to netflix like sam morel and mark normand and uh i think even shane gillis who's incredible uh did a youtube special first um and there's a guy i just worked with in australia named aaron chan who just moved to new york city he opened for nate Bargatze uh in australia he was he was so good, and uh, he has a YouTube special that's amazing. So yeah, I, I guess uh, Netflix. You know they have executives there that have to all agree. They have to all agree on, on on greenlighting somebody's special. Whereas YouTube, anybody can put it out there. So yeah, I'd say once you once you have a YouTube special that takes off, then Netflix the Netflix executives can be like, all right, all right. Well, it seems like there's enough agreement on this now.
8: So
3: you moved to New York, and I always love going to the cellar and the fat black, the VU, that little corner there in the village. And to get passed by Esty, I know you need a couple of wrecks. Who were some of the people that were on your side?
9: Oh, I love that you know the the cellar and the fat black. That's awesome. Um, I I would say, let's see, there was a – yeah, I did have a couple people. Uh, There was a Comedy Central show. Uh, that came on through the Comedy Cellar around 2019 uh, called This Week at the Comedy Cellar. So I know Comedy Central uh, referred me to them for that show. And then for for getting past, as they say, you have to do an audition for Esty, the famous audition at the, uh, at the old underground room in McDougall Street. Uh, you do 10 minutes in front of SD, 5 or 10. And uh, I believe Sam Morell, Mark Norman, uh, they both mentioned, they they both said something to SD, and I believe Ryan Hamilton as well. So there were at least three people that, that said something to her on my behalf. Yeah.
3: Love Ryan Hamilton. I know you're from Morgantown, West Virginia, and my colleague uh, Scott Farrell, when he was looking at colleges, the guy who was supposed to give him his tour, his dad and Scott showed up, you know, high school senior, and the guy was like, hey, how's it going? He had like a pitcher of beer, and he's like, if the guy giving the official tour is drunk at 10 a.m., I don't want you to go here. Is that, you could say that about any college, I guess, guess, but what's it like? Did you grow up a Mountaineer fan? Oh,
9: (laughs) well, first of all, what year was that?
3: (laughs) That was in uh, 82, I think.
9: Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I, uh, I I moved to New York City. Or, sorry, I moved to Morgantown when I was five years old. Very prime. My mom taught, was a music prof- is a music professor at WVU. And so probably age eight, I went to my first Mountaineer game, football. And yeah, rooted for the Mountaineers, basketball, football. Went to a lot of the games. Of course, all my friends, all the tailgates, tailgating is, tailgating is life. Uh, in college towns um and uh yeah i think toward the early 90s it was named the number one party school it got that <laughs> reputation
3: are you uh, <laughs> Which, uh upset yeah. about the whole bob huggins
10: fracas
9: you know uh i i, I don't think i'm upset. i don't think i'm upset about it like he he kind of has this reputation for <laughs> speaking of Speaking of drinking beers, he kind of had a reputation for for just showing up at noon at Jeans, which is a the ultimate dive bar in Morgantown, or in the country. The ultimate dive bar <laughs> is Jeans is just located in the neighborhood. It's open at, like, you know, whatever, 8 a.m., and they sell chili dogs all day. And uh, so even in school, even in high school, people would get off lunch and be like, you want to go to Jeans and have a chili dog? And, uh... It's just, I mean, it's the ugliest looking bar. Uh, Country roads take me home will play every third song, um, and yeah, and he was known to hang out there and just be be pretty drunk with the locals. So I know that the locals, I know that the Morgantown people loved him because he's he's one of them.
3: I just looked, but he's probably
9: drunk. He's probably drunk <laughs> when he said when he said whatever he said.
3: I just looked up jeans. Says our mouth-watering hot dogs with a cold one are always a favorite for a quick bite. That's a good one. By the oh, way, I mean, everybody, yeah, you got Go retweeted um, by Brian Regan, one of my all-time favorites, telling people to watch your stuff. And I, I, I don't—I mean, I had heard of you, obviously, but even if I hadn't, Brian Regan says thumbs up. I'm in. That's a pretty good uh, help helper there.
9: Oh, thank you. I love I love Brian. I've actually uh, been fortunate to tour with Nate Bargatze the last two years. But mm-hmm. uh, Brian, Brian I were speaking of dive bars. Brian I met in a dive bar about ten years ago, and bought me bought me a beer and a tequila. Um, and uh, I've been fortunate to tour with him for maybe six or seven years. And I'm with him. Uh, I'm with him this week. He's the ultimate comics comic. Uh, just a sweet guy and just. No, Nobody is funnier to me on stage or off stage than Brian. You just walk into a room with him and he's doing an act. He's just organically doing a physical Brian act out, you know.
3: Mhm. And, uh, of course, Nate, it's funny. We talked about those other New York comics. You know, they used to grow up. You know, they would to start off with Nate and play hoop in new york city and and now nate has his own empire and and he does it like brian basically clean you mentioned ryan hamilton too are you a clean comic uh
9: i kind of fell i kind of fell into that category it's it's weird um i i was always mostly i was always mostly clean and then i remember i was always yeah and then i remember hearing Gaffigan or Burbigley or somebody give a tip that it's like if you're mostly clean, mm-hmm. you might as well just be entirely clean because right. mostly clean doesn't really do anything for you. If you're mostly clean, people will still people with the clean uh, that need clean will still not listen to your to your stuff because they need it to be all clean. Right, and it's 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 bizarre because comedy is thought of this art form where you. Say anything and everything, and have a freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. But the moment you say one curse word on stage, you're labeled a dirty comic. <laughs> so, so be- because of that, I don't want to be a dirty naughty comic. So because of that, <laughs> because of that, I've become a clean comic. There's no gray area. There's Very no cool gray area for comedians. Yeah.
3: So finally, the uh, new special cult classic, and uh, on uh, that's the Nate Land YouTube. Speaking of Bargazzi. Uh, tell us what we got here with this new special.
9: Yeah, I filmed it in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, where I lived for several years. I filmed it in a music venue uh, uh, in March of this year, and Nate showed up with his tour bus and his director's cap, and uh, put a lot of the put a lot of the set together and uh, worked with me on the set. It's an hour long, and yeah, it's it's basically an accumulation of my material over the last four years condensed into an hour and it's uh, yeah it's clean under the Nate Land family friendly umbrella and it's just dropped on youtube this week and uh very yeah very happy with it i'm very excited about it. it's my first ever one hour video special um and uh, so it's getting good it's getting great great feedback and it's exciting for me to have uh, Nate, Nate, an 800-pound gorilla uh, behind it, for sure. Just it's not real, easy to get, um, yeah. Go just, ahead.
3: just real quick. Uh, with four hours condensed to one, are we getting four closers?
9: Oh, sorry. I meant. Did I say four hours? I meant to say four years. No, you did uh, say
3: four years. Sorry. I, in my head, I was thinking four hours. But everyone should see Cult Classic on the Nate Len YouTube channel. It is out now by our guest Joe Zimmerman. And Joe, if you ever do the uh, punchline. Or Cobbs out here in San Francisco, come by the studio like all your buddies.
9: I would love to, David, You know, I went to Davidson College, so shout out. Oh, to stuff go Ags! Yes, indeed. <laughs> all
3: right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We'll come on back on Sports Byline. <laughs>
1: Information. 800-915-9654. 800-915-9654. 800-915-9654. That's 800-915-9654.
12: If you're struggling to keep up with conversations, avoiding restaurants because you can't understand the waiter,
13: Tittle beats his servants.
3: I don't have servants. If I did, I would be super nice to them, though. one 800 eight seven. Super nice. I remember one time I had this. <clears throat> well, she's still my friend, but she's from San Jose, but she was the biggest valley girl of all time. The way she talked. And I remember she had a, um, a daughter. And she was teaching her something. She goes, all right, Jessica, Like that is super good, but the other thing is super bad. (laughs) I can't laugh in front of her face. That's super good, but that's super bad. Uh, The Tampa Bay Rays were super bad yesterday. At home, Tyler Glasnow did not have a bad game. Uh, at all, he just got uh, no hope, uh, no hope, no help. I mean, three runs over five innings does not qualify as a quality start, but it's not a disaster. But we were talking yesterday about Montgomery, who was acquired at the deadline and who was pitching very well for Texas since coming over from the Cardinals, and he was great. Uh, he scattered six hits over seven scoreless. A Aroldis Chapman, remember him? He came in in the eighth, and then Leclerc shut the door, and it's a 4 0 win. And most of the headlines from this game are the attendance. And that's because it's the lowest attended game in 100, a hundred, playoff game in a hundred years. And that's what. I don't know why the media is so obsessed with that, and of course I'm exacerbating it, but I have a point here, a couple of points. The attendance at Tropicana Field was only 19,704. The last time there was a lower attended playoff game was game seven of the 1919 World Series, and there's a reason for that. First of all, that Was uh, it was first to win four, uh, yes, back then, but uh, sorry, no, first to win five, I believe. But anyway, in Cincinnati, you had to buy three tickets, they were three game blocks. This is in 1919, and so when they had the next game, they only opened up the box office the morning of the game, and so. There were, um, <clears throat> and of course, this was right after the end of World War I, but the people of Cincinnati had to scramble to get in line that morning. So there's a little bit of a reach, but also, you know, this game was during the day. And I, my other point is that <clears throat> the only time I went to two playoff games in the same day, I went to see Twins at A's and the Twins won that game. And the state, the Coliseum did not sell out, and all everybody did in the media was, "Ah, A's fans suck." The game was at one o'clock on a weekday. Kids are in school. People have jobs. Now you should, you could say, "Well, you know, take the day off work." Yeah, you had what two days' notice, so there were still like I don't know thirty-five thousand fans which was a really good crowd. It just didn't sell out. People were like, ah, oh, the A's suck. And then that night, I went to Mets at Giants, JT Snow, tied the game with a home run. I jumped to get ahead of the crowd, and the Giants lost. I was on the Bay Bridge listening in my car when the uh, the Giants last, lost. But <clears throat> Major League Baseball, and a lot of this has to do with the clearing out from the pandemic, some people say it's the new rules, it's the new rules, it's the new rules. And that is there were more than 6 million fans that went this year to games than last year. 70.7 million fans went to games. I don't think I was counted because I had a press pass. Didn't turn the turnstile. Remember that? There used to be a turnstile. That's how you would count how many people got in. It's like, how are we going to keep count? We'll let people do it with their thighs. But that's a 9.6% increase in fans. That's a remarkable gain in anything. Um, and by the way, the Rays drew over a million fans. But <clears throat> if you break down the average Major League Baseball game this year, it had 17,800. So... This game had about 1,500 more fans than a regular season game. Uh, Say what you will about it. But it doesn't really matter at this point because they have approved a boutique stadium there, 30,000 seat, 1.6 billion that will open in 2028. And you could say the product on the field now deserves more butts in those seats, right? four division titles, nine playoff appearances, two pennants in the last 15 years. But, and you'd say, well, you know, their season was on the line yesterday and people didn't show up. They did show up, the people who could come. That's the other thing. If you could come, then you would. That's just, I don't know. I, I don't see why that's so complicated or it's you know should we should we uh, contract <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays because they didn't get enough. But anyway, Montgomery's pitching it set the tone and you know this is a six foot six lefty um it's just you know he really opened it up. Let's go to Vince and Lafayette. Vince I got a couple of minutes. What's up, buddy? All
14: right I'll talk fast with this the the baseball tenants, the a big thing I think was a big plus is the expanded playoffs um, and it also doing three games, which is a big deal. Uh, I think that made a lot of teams in the race that probably weren't would be in if we just had division winners like the old days in one wild card. So I think that has a huge plus. And it and unlike the, the A's, let's forget about those guys. Most owners want a shot at the playoffs that are willing to spend some money to make their team decent so that's why i think a lot of teams are decent now they're not i mean other than kansas city oakland and a few other teams most of the teams were kind of in the race for a while until they, like, you know near the end of the season i think all that's a big positive so i think that's great i mean uh unfortunately even if they go to vegas which it looks like a hundred percent chance now they're still going to be a crappy team because they're not going to spend any money so i don't no, but uh, I'm a Philly fan, so my Phillies are doing great. They had a great game yesterday. Um, Want to say something quickly about the Sharks? Uh, young kids are looking great. I mean, absolutely. Your great. boy, I your mean, boy, uh,
3: Kapanen looked good yesterday in between the sticks.
14: Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of it is defense. I mean, he had no deep. I know Carlson was there, and, mm. but he was not a defensive defensive player. He was an offensive. Thing, one of the greatest. Offensive scoring defensive probably in the history of hockey. But he wasn't a defensive type player. And then all the other guys on the, on the Sharks' defense absolutely sucked. So he was getting peppered and breakaways and all that stuff. I watched it last. year; it was, it was pathetic. Um, so this year their, their defense looks a lot better. Ty Emerson, that's going to be a big question. Um, he, they snatched him. He was in the um, what he called the, with Team USA. That's why the Coach Quinn knows him. If he tries to send him back down, he's going to get claimed back by the Rangers. So I think they're going to have to probably keep him up. That means they're going to have to st- cut guys like probably like Schimmick, McDonald, and guys like that are probably going to be out the door. I really You like think the they're going to you think they're gonna
3: cut Schimmick?
14: He's, he's last year of his contract. All right. he's, um, I, I, well, you have to – do you want to lose your young defenseman? Schimmick's not going to be on the team after the next year. They're not going to cut him. They're going to expose him to waivers, and if he gets claimed, yeah. then he loses him. If not, he'll be in which they could bring him back up with injuries. Yeah. But you don't want to lose your other players um, that that you could lose that you don't uh, if you try to send right. down. So they're they're in a the pickle. So yeah. what would unfortunately, you do speaking
3: start? of a pickle because they have pickles, I got to run to a break. I got Jake Tapper on the other side, but let's talk more uh, later, Vince. All right.
14: All right. Take care. Thank
3: you for the call. Come on back.
7: The new iPhone 15 Pro with titanium is here. Switch to my plan from Verizon at your local store today, and you'll get the amazing new iPhone 15 Pro on us with Unlimited Ultimate when you trade in any iPhone, any model, any condition, guaranteed. Yep, even the old phone in your pocket right now. It's your Verizon. 999 99 128 gigabyte only device payment purchase or full retail purchase with new smartphone line on Unlimited Ultimate plan required. Less $1,000 trade-in or promo credit applied over 36 months. Promo credit ends if eligibility requirements are no longer met. 0% APR.
15: at prizepicks.com slash byline for a first deposit matchup to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
16: You can host the best backyard barbecue. You can find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside repairs to renovations get started on the angie app or visit angie.com today you can do this when you angie
7: that it doesn't really matter i uh i don't like my job and uh, i don't think i'm gonna go anymore
13: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show Jake Tapper, of course, a broadcaster with CNN, also a New York Times bestselling author. And he has a brand new book, a thriller called All the Demons Are Here from Little Brown and company. Jake welcome to the show. And I remember um, growing up that I always thought, is it a novel or is it nonfiction? And then I wrote, read I Claudius by Robert Graves. And I'm like, oh, that's how you do it. You're making up stuff, but almost like 90% of it is, is real too. What, what is it like when you kind of marry the two together?
10: You know, at the first time, so I've, I've written three of these now. And the first one I wrote, it was kind of uncomfortable at first, you know, like taking real people like Joe McCarthy and Roy Cohn and Dwight Eisenhower. In the first draft, I was a little uncomfortable with it, but then you just have to, you just have to give yourself over to it. And as long as you're not being untrue to who those people were, um, you just have to expect that people will, they, they want to do it. It's historical fiction. They understand it's not real, but they've come for an adventure with these people. And the first one I read well, Gore Vidal did some great ones, but also the Alienist had, you know, Teddy Roosevelt as the New York Police Commissioner by Caleb Carr, I think, and um, so it, it's fun. By the second book, I was uh, having my characters interact with the Rat Pack, and I was much more comfortable with it having Frank Sinatra as a big character. And then this one was a lot of fun too. Uh, I had yeah, I have Evil Knievel as a big character, um, and one of my main characters works for Evil Knievel, and Evil Knievel, I didn't. I knew a lot about Sinatra already for the second book, um, but I didn't know a ton about Evil Knievel. Evil. Um, I was not a fan growing up. Um, I didn't dislike him. I just didn't know much about him. His his charm eluded me, even if my friends had the lunchbox and and the, and the like. And um, so I learned a lot about him. And he really is such a fascinating, quintessentially American character. Just the showmanship and the salesmanship and the bravado. And so it was a lot of fun to learn about him and, and, and write write him. Um, and so it's fun. I mean, really, honestly, for anybody who's like a history buff but also likes fiction, also likes a, a good yarn, it's a lot of fun to give yourself over to the historical fiction uh, as, as a project.
3: I'm a couple of years older than you, and I, of course, had the little Evil Knievel toy. Do you remember the live, I don't know what to call it, rocket jump over the Snake River that fizzled?
10: I, I mean, I, I don't remember it. I've, I've studied it for this book. Um, it was, uh, your memory is right, it was, like, it was 1974. It was one of the first uh, pay-per-view events, um, and it was a huge failure. Um, but that was, like, probably his peak. Uh, he was on the cover of Rolling Stone, on the cover of Sports Illustrated, although it's really very difficult to call that a sport. I mean, he was basically just in a, <clears throat> you know, a roadrunner, a Wily e. Coyote rocket ship um, of sorts. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's that was a, a huge moment uh, in his life, and then it kind of set the scene for his downfall in 1977 because he had this uh, PR agent um, named uh, Shelley Saltman who was recording everything, and then in 1977, and I have this in in my novel, uh, comes out with a book and uh, a tell-all about his time with Evil Knievel based on you know his recordings of his conversations. Uh, and it doesn't make Evil Knievel look particularly good because, quite honestly, Evil Knievel was not a particularly good guy. <laughs> I mean, he might have been a very uh, inspiring uh. character for the likes of Johnny Knoxville and Tony Hawk, but he was not a particularly <laughs> a good moral character. Uh, and um, this doesn't spoil the novel at all, but uh, um, Evil Knievel then, you know, tracked down uh, Shelley Saltman and, and with a thug with a baseball bat and beat him up. And then Evil Knievel went to prison. And, um, that was kind of the, the beginning of the end for Evil Knievel's career. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, really fascinating, fascinating character.
3: Speaking of PR, and I, I know I'm getting off on another tangent here, but I interviewed uh, Jim Mahoney a couple of weeks ago. He's 94, and he was Sinatra's uh, sort of PR fixer guy. And he was very adamant about that. Frank wasn't in the mob. It's just that if he was going to work in Vegas, he had to deal with the mob. Is that kind of like what you found, too?
10: Yeah, I mean, I don't think, um, so the second book is based on a a true story, which is that um, Sinatra, after helping get JFK elected, wanted President Kennedy to stay with him at his Rancho Mirage um, compound, and even had it built out, had a helipad installed, had some phone lines installed for the press, had rooms built. And then uh, Attorney General Bobby Kennedy ultimately said, no, you can't stay there. This is after the dad had a stroke, and so there wasn't that shit to cash in for Sinatra. And um, the book is based on, in the book, I have Attorney General Kennedy basically blackmailing my characters to go out there and figure out is Sinatra really mobbed up or is it just kind of an act? And yeah, I don't think he was in the mob, but he certainly was pals with them. And, and, and Moni's right. I mean, back then, if you wanted to play in Vegas, if you wanted to play in nightclubs, uh, you you needed to at least be friends with these guys. Now that said, I mean, I think Sinatra, I think Sinatra thought it made him tough and cool. I mean, I think he I think he embraced it, <laughs> you know. And and like he shared he shared a girlfriend with uh, Sam Giancana, and they also shared her with <laughs> President Kennedy. I mean, that's not mm. you know. That's I, known, I wonder who that uh, is. Judith Exner, you know that. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
3: Um, a couple more questions for Jake Tapper, the new book, All the Demons Are Here. Just with your job, you know, the, the, the days of Tip O'Neill and Reagan arguing and then getting a drink after uh, are, are done. The, re- yeah. the relentless criticism that anyone who does your job, you know, uh, is going to get or, you know, maybe praise you don't even need or, or or you know, deserve. But just the relentless um, avalanche of that type of stuff, do you have to turn a complete blind eye to it to to sort of survive
10: yeah, I mean look uh, uh, first of all with in this age of social media, um, there's just so much criticism that you can't you literally cannot say or do anything without somebody criticizing it right um, so i I just can't listen to that. second of all, in this era of um, silos um, where people can go and I mean there's a channel if you only want to hear good things about Democrats and Joe Biden I mean the channel's right there you can turn it on and never hear anything negative about Democrats and Joe Biden it's right there it's not my channel I don't CNN is not that channel but there's one right there if you want to listen to it and then there's another one if you only want to hear only want to hear negative things about Democrats and Joe Biden (laughs) that's a different channel again not CNN um Mm -hmm. so i mean and 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 that those channels condition people to expect a certain thing that they're not going to find on cnn so that also affects people i just have to call balls and strikes and um expect that reasonable people from all political persuasions uh that i'm speaking for them and reporting for them and and hope that uh that's who's watching and let the chips fall where they may but but um you know, I am not I am truly a political independent and there are certain facts that are, you know, that I accept that conservatives are focusing like Matt Gates is talking about the 33 trillion dollar national debt and he's right. That's appalling. And the government's not doing anything about it. Now, is Matt Gates doing anything about it? I I would argue that he's not. But he's not wrong that that is a problem and that The interest that the U.S. government pays on that debt every year uh, should concern everyone, including progressives, because that's money that could be better spent on education or health care or nutrition or whatever. So, um, you know, I'm not here to say that any party has the answers or has the right approach, but certainly I see a lot of wrong approach.
3: All right, very nicely said. Your book, All the Demons Are Here, we know that your book, The Outpost, was made into a film. So you know that's, as you're writing it, that's a possibility. Are you envisioning an actor and an actress, what have you, or do you kind of put that out of your head for now?
10: I put it out of my head, but the good news is the second book in the series, um, Christian Slater uh, has expressed interest in playing uh, Charlie, the main character, uh, who's in all three of the books. And um, we're actually talking to a big, major streamer about that happening. This is the one that features Sinatra and President Kennedy and Mm -hmm. the like. And uh, so hopefully that will actually happen. We have a major showrunner and a major uh, streamer and Christian Slater, and we're going to actually have a Zoom meeting on this on on Friday at noon. We've all just been sitting patiently waiting for the writer's strike to end, and now it's over, thank God, so we can... Yeah, I mean that I, that wasn't necessarily who I was envisioning, but he—I met him and I said you would be a great Charlie, and I sent him the book, uh, and he, thank God, he liked it, and uh, now we're off and running. So we'll see. we'll you know, wish us luck because getting anything <laughs> from from the page to the screen is a is, is a is, takes a miracle. So prayers appreciated. I mean, I'm sure there are many, many, much more important things that your your listeners can pray for, but you know, if you have an extra one, throw it throw it away. <laughs>
3: Uh, I know you got to run. Last question for you. As an aside, it, it just seems like any type of Republican debate, Trump doesn't even need to go. It, it looks like he's going to be the the candidate and it, it looks like Joe Biden is going to be the candidate. And, you know, it's it, it's too bad that it's only two parties and we only get two choices and it's the same two. Uh, old guys, and it's so polarizing again. I guess my question is, is there a chance it could be someone else besides those two gentlemen?
10: I mean, there's always a chance. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's it's obviously more likely that it would be not Trump than it would be not Biden, just because Biden is the incumbent, pres- incumbent president. I asked uh, one of my favorite Republican pollsters, uh, Kristen Soltys-Anderson, who's a frequent guest she said it's probably a one in 10 chance that it not be Trump. Um, but, but, you know, still nine in 10 that it would be. One of the things I, you know, I often think about is I'm a trustee of my college, of my alma mater. And we just, we just got a new president, this awesome woman, um, named Sian Bylock, who's just so impressive. And the way that the trustees found her, um, was, you know, they hired a search committee. There are, there are, I mean, a search organization, there are, you know, organizations that do this. This is their bread and butter, and they engage in these deep international searches and find the best people in the world and interview them and interview their friends and review, like, their life's work and, you know, just these intensive processes. And, you know, what I just would put to anybody listening right now is if the United States Congress did that, hired one of these search organizations these search businesses to find the next president of the united states and like came back with 10 uh resumes where where do you think um donald trump and joe biden would be on that on that list <laughs> or or do you think maybe they would do you think maybe they wouldn't be on it that's just, that's just i leave it to you 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 make you make up your mind on that yeah I, I, but it's you just know something i think about sometimes
3: you know, baseball kind of did that with Bart Giamatti. It's like, let's just get a baseball fan who's really, really smart, and that, that
10: right. didn't last, unfortunately. All
3: right, it's Jake Tapper, yeah. the New York Times best-selling author, of course, on CNN, but the new book from Little Brown and Company, All the Demons, are here. Jake, congratulations on the book, and thanks for coming by.
10: Thank you. Really appreciate it.
3: All right, uh, good stuff. And uh, he was talking about Dartmouth. That's his alma mater. We'll take a quick break. We will come on back on Byland. Thank you.
17: Right now.
1: Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800 965 1295. 800 965 1295. 800 965 1295. That's 800 965 1295.
7: Attention homeowners. It's not if something's going to break, it's when. That's home If your dryer, your refrigerator, or your AC and heating breaks, that's an expensive call. And who do you call? Here's the number.
1: 800-725-1651. 800-725-1651. That's 800-725-1651. Paid for by Legal Alert Line.
18: Now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb.
13: Rick Tittle always goes commando.
3: Oh, how about that? Welcome back to the show. So Jake was talking about uh, Dartmouth and their new president, Sean uh, Bilak, who's actually from Berkeley. Um, and I just thought about, and I'll share this with you because in one minute we're going to the news and you won't fall asleep, I hope. Before the Declaration of Independence was signed, we only had nine colleges, And the university, the term university was not used at that time, in America anyway. I went to a college, St. Mary's College. But uh, Dartmouth was the most northern one. That was in Hanover, New Hampshire. Then you had Harvard College. I think you remember that. Rhode Island College, which is now called Brown. You had Yale College, of course. King's College and Queen's College. Uh, King's uh, is now Columbia, and Queens is now Rutgers. College of New Jersey, which is now called Princeton. College of Pennsylvania, which you can guess, Penn. And then the College of William and Mary, where I once ate in the cafeteria. <laughs> I was touring Colonial Williamsburg, and the group I was with, it's like, you get a free meal in the William and Mary. And by the way, their nickname is still Tribe. I wonder how long that's going to last. So there's a little uh, historical aside. We'll come back and I'll try and talk some sports with Vince Van Patten.
17: USA News.
2: I'm Corey Myers. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has been ousted. That vote came despite a passionate plea from Oklahoma's Republican Congressman Tom Cole. Dave Collins has more.
14: The overwhelming majority of my party supports the speaker that we elected. We're proud of the leadership he's shown. A handful of
19: Republicans joined Democrats today to oust McCarthy. The push was led by Florida's Gates, who's angry McCarthy worked with Democrats to pass a short-term funding bill to keep the government open. This is the first time in U.S. history that a Speaker of the House has ever been voted out of office.
2: Former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was evicted from her private Capitol office by the new speaker pro tempore Patrick McHenry. Pelosi responded, saying with all of the important decisions that the new Republican leadership must address, which we are all eagerly awaiting, one of the first actions taken was to order me to immediately vacate my office in the Capitol. The former speaker said office space doesn't matter to her but it seems important to the Republicans. Day two of former President Trump's civil trial in the books. Former President Trump and his
20: associates, including his two sons, were back in a Manhattan courtroom for the second day in a civil fraud trial. Trump again blasting prosecutors on his way into the New York courthouse.
11: This case should be dismissed. This is not a case. should probably be also. Trump
20: also telling reporters he will take the stand at the appropriate time. They're accused of inflating property values for better loans and insurance rates. New York Attorney General Letitia James is pursuing a $250 million fine and a ban on Trump's company operating in New York. The judge has imposed a limited gag order on the case. I'm
2: John Schaefer. This is USA News. Donald Trump has dropped off the Forbes 400 list of richest Americans. Forbes magazine said yesterday the former president is no longer rich enough to be included on the annual list. Trump is still a billionaire worth an estimated $2.6 billion. But Forbes says that's down from last year when he was valued at $3.2 billion. say
6: taco, they say taco. Taco, taco, taco.
2: Today is a national taco day. We only need to grab some tortillas and stuff them with savory fillings we love from the traditional carne asada, cheese, tomato, lettuce, and sour cream to maybe more exotic delights like fish, chorizo, even tongue, apparently, to name just a few of the meat component alternatives. Even the word stuff is no accident. Many people believe the word taco derives from the Spanish a taco, meaning to Stuff. one of the greatest things about national taco day all the freebies and great value deals that are knocking around todd and julie chrisley are teaching classes in federal prison to reduce their sentences the couple's daughter savannah told usa today they include finance classes which she called ironic since her parents were convicted of fraud the couple portrayed themselves as real estate tycoons in the south on their usa network shows I'm Corey Myers, USA News.
3: Hey, uh, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, Coast to Coast. We got more wildcard games tonight. And uh, start times, Texas and Tampa Bay, 3 o'clock Pacific. Toronto, Minnesota, game 2, 4.30 Pacific. Arizona and Milwaukee, 7 o'clock. And Miami at Philadelphia uh, will be at 5 o'clock. Sorry, 4 o'clock and then 5 o'clock there as well Uh, we also found out today that the 2030 World Cup that's right once again the 2030 World Cup will be a um, a joint operation remember the next one in 2026 is going to be Canada USA and Mexico which is dumb because Mexico has hosted two America has hosted one we're perfectly capable of doing it ourselves And most of it's going to happen in America, to be honest. But 2030, Morocco, Spain, and Portugal. I'll call this the Rock of Gibraltar World Cup. Because you'll have the Iberian Peninsula and you'll have Morocco. Now, we have had an African World Cup before in South Africa. That was supposed to be 2006, but some envelopes under a couple of doors... And Germany got it. And I was over the moon for that because I went to that one. You know they didn't even have a vote for the 2010 World Cup. They just said South Africa gets it. We're not even going to vote because we know that something weird happened last time. But uh, dual continents as well, if you like. Um, you know, and President Gianni Infantino, little infant of FIFA, said, In a divided world, FIFA and football are uniting... Well, I guess so. A couple of different uh, continents there. But uh, anyway, uh, start buying the tickets to Casablanca and Marrakesh now while you have the chance. I'm on uh, Twitch.tv. A how's it going, A. Also, TuneIn app. I, heart, I turned Canadian on TV. TuneIn app, I heart Radio app, Stitcher app, CRN Digital Plus 2, the cable radio network, Channel 2, your cable provider, and American Forces Radio Network. Vince Van Patten on the other side. Come on back.
5: There's a whole lot of savings going on now at Staples. During Staples sit you can save up to $150 on select office and desk chairs. And when you buy a chair, you save 25% on desks, storage solutions, and office accessories. Plus, your local Staples now accepts Amazon returns. And when you return an Amazon order at Staples, you receive a coupon for $10 off your next $30 Staples purchase. Now is definitely the time to save at Staples. Chair offer ends 1028, in-store only. Exclusions apply on Amazon offer.
22: Check
8: out Channel 9. Check out
3: Rick Tittle. All right. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. We've been talking to a couple of players who will be part of the World Poker Tours World Championship, which is going to be down at the uh, win here in December. And last year, giving out 15 mil and pumping it way higher this year to 40 million guaranteed. And on that note, we welcome back to the program Vince Van Patten. Uh, actor, tennis player, host, uh, pickleballer. We'll get into that as well. And Vince, I just, because no one ever has, I'm going to introduce you as, of course you know him as Pete O'Connell from Bracken's World.
23: Wow. Hey, how's it going?
3: Has anyone ever introduced you that way before?
23: Never. No, that's, uh, I don't know, that's obscure. I don't know how you would possibly know
3: that. Wikipedia. Okay.
23: (laughs) You know, I, yeah, I was a child actor, so I did a lot of different roles and stupid little parts in all the shows. But uh, that was one. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to talk to you.
3: So you know, the thing I love about this too is that it's it's always it, it goes across all uh, countries, cultures. Everybody understands what's going on. You you don't have to explain it, do you?
23: What's that? Poker? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, now I've been doing the World Poker Tour for 21 years now. Before that, yes, we had to dummy up Mike Sexton and I and explain, hey, this is called Hold'em, two cards down, three up, <laughs> bet, bah, ba bah. But now the whole world knows it. Uh, I love it that it's just kept growing bigger and bigger. Everybody loves the game of poker. It's, only the, it's probably the only gambling game you can actually win at because you're playing against other people and the house is just taking a rake. So you could actually beat it, and that's why so many people love it and are attracted to it.
3: By the way, one of my favorite movies all time, I've probably seen it 20 times at least, is is High Anxiety. When you were a kid watching your dad die in the car with the blood coming out of his ears, were you laughing your head off, or did that hurt?
23: Yeah, my father, you know, Dick Van Patten was in that film, and he was hysterical. I mean, everybody that Mel Brooks hires is great, and that was a funny, funny scene. And I just saw it about three weeks ago, and, yeah, you can't stop laughing. It's great.
3: <laughs> so uh, we also remember you, uh, not just because you were a child star and an adult star, but you were, an, I mean, look, I was a tennis player, a the number one guy at my high school. Who gives a damn? You were actually a real tennis player, like top 25 Talk about maybe, if you can, playing Johnny Mack.
23: Yeah. Uh, yeah, top 25 in the world. And I played out on the circuit for 10 years. Uh, beating Mac and Rowe, I beat him twice. I lost him three times, but it's great. I had a good game, a good matchup against him. I watched him play and studied where he would go during serves at certain situations. That helped. And I was just kind of zoning, peaking. And to beat him is great because he goes nuts. And he did go nuts and he, and he tried to stall for five minutes, does all this stuff. Uh, but it was a thrill of a lifetime, right time. I beat him twice in Japan and, uh, I bump into him all the time and now we're kind of friendly and, uh, he doesn't forget it. He hates to lose. <laughs>
3: when you were at that Wimbledon in 85 and here's a 16 year old German kid unseated Boris Becker takes the sport by, by storm. Um, who did you eventually uh, who did you beat, and, and who did you lose to? Are these names we know?
23: Yeah, well, you know, I hated Wibble. I didn't like grass at the time, uh, to play on grass. So um, uh, I won my first two rounds. I'm in the third round, and I lose to Eric and his Jared in, like, four sets tight. He's a Swede. He's ranked seven in the world. I get beat by him, and I'm going, damn, I was playing pretty good this time. I could have just got by him. I didn't. But Jared goes on to the semis. Loses in five sets to this young kid named Becker, who I watch play, and I go, "Uh oh, that's that's ridiculous." That serve and a forehand. Anyway, and then Becker goes on to win the tournament at seventeen or eighteen, and that was the explosion of Boris Becker. But uh, yeah, he was he was a great player at that time.
3: You know, growing up, I'm just a couple years younger than you. It just seemed like every Fourth of July there would be at least one American in the males in the you know men's final and one American in the females final, and, yeah. and maybe even more. And everybody would, even the foreigners, they'd all go to Boletary or, or whatever. I, I, how are we, I mean, Cocoa Golf looked good for the women, that's nice, but, but how are we doing yeah. How are we doing with American men's tennis? It's
23: crazy. Yeah, when I was playing, um, there was 20 guys in, from America in the top 50, you know. We were really up there. <laughs> and McInerney was one, and Connors, blah, blah, blah. But it's just tough to repeat. I mean, we've had Roddick, I'm sure we've had some other you know, terrific players, Marty Davis, and not Marty Davis. Uh, Marty but, uh, Fish. Marty Fish. And, uh, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe the rest of the world is so hungry that they need it a little bit more. Americans have sort of everything. Even if you're not, even if you're kind of poor, you still have a lot, it seems like. Um, and some of these other countries that they're coming out of, they're just desperate to get out um, and, and play. And that's that's the ticket. So maybe that extra 5 to 10% of desire propels them to be a little bit better. I mean, that's, that's the only explanation I can have. Plus, they also, around the world, they play on clay a lot. And that does round out your game even more so. Americans just strictly play on hard court and uh, not as much clay. So maybe that's a reason.
3: I also got to throw this at you. I was he- hearing Bill Burr the other day talk about how what he loved about Dragnet is these character actors would play different guys, sometimes like back-to-back weeks. And... Medical Center. You were three different little kids. Bonanza. You were two different little kids. I mean, (laughs) what was that like? Gunsmoke. You were two different kids.
23: Yeah, you're right because you you could do one series. You could do one show a year. Other than that, you couldn't because you were on that as a character. And so it was exciting to do different shows like that and uh, to play different roles. And that was the way it was back then. And now they're not. You know, now TV is completely different with the streaming and all that stuff. So. uh, yeah, it was great. I did all those shows. Uh, and, you know, when people were stars back in the 70s and 80s, they were big stars because you only had four, five, six, you know, channels. Mm-hmm. Now there's a hundred channels, more product, but if you're a star, you're not quite as big. Now, that's the way it was. So when I was working with Chad Everett, you know, <laughs> on TV, he was a superstar.
8: Mm-hmm. My
23: father, Dick, patent from eight and up, he couldn't walk down the street without people mobbing him. So it's a little bit different today.
3: No doubt. All right, before we let you go to uh, pickleball, not surprised you're good at that, although as a former tennis player, it, it really takes a lot of getting used to. There's no you know, bounce back. you got to provide the power. It's a very loud sport. During the pandemic, it certainly took off. You're, uh, tell us about your pickleball prowess, please.
23: Yeah, man. I tell you, I I gave up tennis two years ago. My wife said, "Let's get a pickleball court in the backyard because the grass is not growing." And I went, "Okay, whatever." I I couldn't stand pickleball or the thought of it. But I start playing a little. We build the court. I build the court for her, and uh, and then I start playing. And I hated it the first five times. After ten times, I'm hooked. It's like a cult. I mean, it's fantastic. I put down the tennis racket. That's all I do now. I've been playing serious professional tournaments. Senior pickleball tour, over fifty. You know we call it the uh, ibuprofen tour. Gets, uh, everybody's <laughs> stiff and
1: tired. Of uh,
23: but I'm ranked right six in the APP in the world in singles, and I was the oldest. I'm the oldest uh, player to ever win a 50 and over pro event. And now I'm driving to Vegas now to play a doubles event. PPA, that's another big, big tour with Ben Johns and all those guys. Listen, the game's exploding. Anybody could play it. It's so much fun, it's so social, so uh, I'm in love with it.
3: At least you're not walking like Seven Days of Vegas, you're driving.
23: <laughs> yeah, Seven Days of Vegas, the movie we made. We're going to do a sequel, by the way. But, you know, I'm going to be in Vegas in December. I just want to mention, of course, with the World Poker Tour, it is exciting. We're putting up, there's going to be $40 million guaranteed at Win Las Vegas. We'll be there for three weeks, but the big event is $40 million. So that means the winner's probably going to get 20%, that's six $7 million everybody's going to come out to play that. I'm going to play it as well, and it's going to be a great event. I just invite everybody in the world to take a shot at the big money.
3: WinnLasVegas.com and, of course, WPT.com for more information. Vince Van Patten, good stuff, man. Thanks for coming on again.
23: Pleasure, man. Thanks for having
3: me. All right, good stuff. Bye-bye. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and come on back on Sports Byline.
1: 30-day money-back guarantee, 800-867-6917, 800-867-6917, 800-867-6917, that's 800-867-6917. It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. That's 855-325-5647.
8: You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious!
13: Rick Tittle is a majestic stallion.
3: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY. I was trying to find the most bizarre reference I could for Vince Van Patten, and it was the 1970 episode of Bracken's World, (laughs) which I had never heard of. It ran... Uh, from September 69 to December 1970 with some big stars. Bess Boyle, Jerry Day, Bethel Leslie, Robert Lewin. I think Robert Lewin. uh, Anyway, who cares, right? Oh, Leslie Nielsen was in it. I've heard of him. All right. Bracken's World. (laughs) We're here for you. 1-800-878-PLAY. There's a clip that I just retweeted, which shows you why I yawned at the draft when the Raiders announced uh, that uh, they picked Tyree Wilson the defensive end, not because he had had an injury, just because it was just seemed like a ho-hum pick. And to inspire fear, as a defensive end, he picked a single-digit nine. There was a play against the Chargers where Keenan, Keenan Allen, he doesn't even just chip him. Tyree Wilson starts to rush, and Keenan Allen just puts his shoulder into him and knocks him right down on the ground. The wide receiver out of Cal basically... Same exact size he looks like with Tyree Wilson. Just nails him right on the ground. This is a defensive end. This is somebody a wide receiver wants no part of on paper. (laughs) Boy, we really can pick him, huh? We really can pick him. And people are like, well, what are the Raiders going to do? Well, the Raiders are on Monday Night Football. And worry about that on Monday. But their season is toast and they have a buffoon as a head coach, and he won't be fired um, because Mark Davis doesn't want to – he's already paying John Gruden $10 million a year. But there are some teams where they actually demand excellence, and one of those is the Steelers, mostly because Mike Tomlin has been there almost 20 years and he's never had a losing record. Well, they were humiliated against the Houston Texans 30-6. to And they barely beat the hapless Raiders before that. So uh, Mike Tomlin said that he looked at the film and he said, you know what? Houston, they were tougher than us and they played harder than us. And he said part of that is because we had a shortened week and we didn't have a lot of padded practice But he says, we're going to have more padded practices. He said, in the midst of Sunday's game, I'm saying to myself, we're practicing in pads next Wednesday. That's something that's got to change immediately. And it's funny. I've said this before. Like, when I was in high school, we we just beat each other up so much that I came to dread it. If it was a football drill, I'm okay. A three-on-three, even a one-on-one, may the best guy win. May the best guy give the other guy a concussion, whatever. I hated it when we would go, like, to a wrestling match, a mat, and, like, okay, beat each other up. I'm like, I don't want to fight. I want to play football. I'll fight you in my pads according to the rules. I'll knock the crap out of you, and I'll try to get the crap knocked out of myself by you, right? So I came to dread when it was just like, oh, no, we're just going to brawl. I'm like, ah. Trying to play football here, people. People. So, but then when I got to college and they're like, all right, we're going to put on the pads and we're going to, and I'm like, good. Because all we did in college was run and run and run. And that is a million times worse than hitting each other. I didn't know that until it happened to me. <laughs> Running is way more horrifying. Because when you fight somebody, it's over and you get to rest. You get to stand in line for the next beating or beat down. And so Tomlin also made changes to the depth chart. He says that Calvin Austin is now the top wide receiver ahead of Gunnar Olszewski. Defensive tackles Keanu Benton and DeMarvin Leal are now starters. Slot corner Desmond King. And Shandon Sullivan are also going to start at corner. And then people said, what about your coaching staff? And he said, "Uh, no changes. (laughs) The offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, will continue to call plays for the Steelers offense. That's 25th in scoring and passing, 29th in rushing, 22nd in third down efficiency, and 28th inside the 20." Like, you're going to, uh, you know, who's going to call a play? Is you going to change it up? And Tomlin said, not at this juncture, no. And so the people said, so you're happy with it? He said, no, we're not good enough. Whenever we don't play well, forget win or lose, as a coach, you start there. And particularly in the early portions of the season, there's a get-better component of this process And it has a lot to do with coaches' decision-making. I'm always looking at that, but obviously as the result of that last game, certainly. Remember, there were a couple of ex-Steelers chiming in on Matt Canada, his play calling. But Tomlin specifically addressed uh, the Steelers' fourth down play call late in the third which resulted in a sack, and also Kenny Pickett, the QB, getting hurt. And that play, speaking of former Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger really criticized on social media too. Tomlin responded, the bottom line is it wasn't a good call because it wasn't productive. To be completely transparent with you, we lost a lot of short yardage personality because of Dan Moore and Pat Friermuth. We lost all our big packages. Broderick Jones was already on the field, and so we probably had to get out of our intended box, if you will, in that circumstance because of lack of player availability at that point in the game. But such is life. This is the National Football League. There's not 100 guys standing on the sideline. There's an attrition component to play, and it's borne out in matchups. It's borne out in decision-making, and that's one instance where we were in less than ideal circumstances because of lack of player ability. <clears throat> sounds like an excuse, and it's not. But just going back to the thing, it's like it wasn't a good call because it didn't work. I was listening, speaking of Bill Burr, I was listening to this podcast where he was talking to Sam Morrill and Sam Morrill was like, ah, what a stupid play the Seahawks called in the Super Bowl, and Bill Burr had a baby. He would not have it. He goes, that was a great call because it worked all year. And Sam was like, it wasn't a great call because the pass got intercepted. He goes, no, it's because Bill Belichick knew it was coming and they were waiting for it. But it was a good call. And Sam's like, no, it wasn't. And then Bill wouldn't let it go. He goes, okay, okay. And Sam's like, it's a good call. I would've given it to beast mode, but that's fine. It was a good call. Uh, I agree with Sam though. If it doesn't work, then it's a bad call, (laughs) right? I've seen so many stupid things happen, and you're like, oh, I guess that was a good idea. It's like Steve Kerr said when he first started coaching Steph Curry, he'd pull up from half court and he'd go, no, 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 no. And then he'd go through and he'd go, yay, good. So Canada will remain the Steelers' play caller, but based on Tomlin's comments, the structure of which the players receive and practice plays may change and whether or not that's going to lead to significant improvements, I don't know. There are some people who will say if you beat the hell out of each other all week, you're not going to be ready for the game. I don't really agree with that because I thought in college our tackling was very poor because all we did was run. Was I in the best shape of my life? You damn right. I was, but did that help me with my tackling? I mean, I I'm glad I had four years of, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm glad I had four years of sheer hell. And back then, we would put our face mask in the chest. We would wrap up. It was just, they were such sticklers for form tackling. The only guy I've seen really do that was Chris Borland, and then he retired after like two years. (laughs) But nowadays, these DBs, they just sort of, they don't wear any, nobody wears any thigh pads, knee pads, hip pads. They just dive at your ankles and hope the shoulder pad clips your ankles, and that's how they tackle you nowadays. You know, is it safer? I I don't know. But Tomlin concluded the physicality component of it needs to be non-negotiable. That's just how we function. That's Pittsburgh Steelers football. What he was saying was they were tougher than us, and I'm embarrassed, and uh, that's on me. I got to get these guys tougher. But then he did kind of make an excuse, you know, like, well, you know, I didn't really have my guys, which is – true as well. Uh, One more NFL note. Uh, Aaron Rodgers called, you know, Aaron Rodgers' stance on the vax. Since Travis Kelsey is in all those Pfizer commercials telling you to get vaxed, he he called him Mr. Pfizer today. Ooh, shots fired. (laughs) Come on back with Irving Muchnink.
4: keeping you in the game even if one of your players goes down. Sweat it out, watch your entry update in real time and continue the fun by making picks on second half and fourth quarter stats. Take your game day experience to the next level with Price Picks. And right now when you go to pricepicks.com/byline and use code byline, Price Picks is matching your first deposit up to $100. That's pricepicks.com/byline with code byline for a 100% deposit match. Price Picks
1: That's 800-788-1495.
12: If you're struggling to keep up with conversations, avoiding restaurants because you can't understand the waiter, if you've got the TV volume way, way up, then you really need these. These tiny but powerful little hearing aids are the Nano CIC Rechargeable. Here's the number. Call now.
1: 800-278-1738. 800-278-1738. 800-278-1738. That's 800-278-1738. Teams have four attempts to move the ball 10 yards. So if you see
20: a graphic on your screen that says first and 10, that means it's the team's first attempt to get 10
11: yards.
13: crazy. Use a D.O.G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: Thank you for that. And welcome back to the program. Rick Tittle with you nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and also around the globe on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show author and investigative journalist Irvin Muchnick. He's here to talk about his new book available Brand new from ECW Press entitled, Without Helmets or Shoulder Pads, The American Way of Death in Football Conditioning. Irvin, welcome to the show. And I was just talking in the previous segment about when I played in high school football, we beat each other up all day. But then in college, we ran and ran and ran. And I didn't think I would, but I preferred the fighting because the running was much, much more difficult. And this is something that compelled you to write the book from some really tragic cases with some high school kids. What was the genesis behind the book?
22: Well, thanks for having me, Rick, Uh, and thanks for the nice introduction. Uh, The book comes from actually my starting to write, as so many others did, about the brain trauma crisis in the sport of football, which people have been talking about for a decade or more. I think, to no end, because we now have a sort of concussion industrial complex with uh, cottage industries designing new helmets, coming up with software for return-to-play protocols. We have this fetishization of making football safer, which is an existential impossibility. And so I hope to reorient the national conversation on this, to some extent, by making people reflect on the overall public health harm of football and not just the professional gladiators we watch on television. And not too many people know that every year, like the turning of the leaves, a couple of kids who don't even have legal agency die in this country before making a single blocker tackle in anger just from their coach's performative over-the-top conditioning drills. Kids are four-and-a-half times as like, more likely to die non-traumatically during conditioning than they are from anything that happens in the game itself. And this leads to the whole question of why our public schools and our public fields are subsidizing this $15 billion or so a year industry uh, with this free developmental system and with tremendous subsidies in our insurance and health care systems.
3: You know, they were saying that, I don't know who they is, but I saw some numbers that high school football after a dip from all the CTE stuff from a few years ago. And I had Dr. Bennett Amalo on my show a couple of times talking about it because I was wondering if I had it, but probably do, but that the numbers are coming back and that more kids are starting to play. And it's, it's, quote-unquote, safer now. So are you getting a, a backlash from people that saying, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about?
22: Well, you know, people land in different places on, in this conversation, but I'm trying to say that uh, the the measures that have been taken do not, they mitigate on the margins, but they don't solve the problem of football, which is football. And if you don't want to talk about concussions and chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is Scary enough. Let's talk about uh, brain bleeds, spinal cord injuries, orthopedic damage, neurological damage, internal organ damage, lifelong deficits of quality of life for a population of American males, which leads to increases in metrics in domestic violence, substance abuse, you know, lack of a uh, uh, diminished. Uh, uh, productivity at the workplace, and and on and on and on. We need to have a real conversation about football, which is not going to be banned. It's way too popular. I'm not going there. But I am talking about downsizing this sport, and people should remember that there was a time in this country when a heavyweight boxing championship match would galvanize the country. And somewhat the way the Super Bowl galvanizes the country today, and we still have boxing, but it's more in its place and more in proportion, and it's not being pushed so hard in social circles on an entire generation of American boys. That's what that's where I think we need to be talking about more, instead of debating the efficacy of every little safety measure that's introduced and uh, and manufacturing doubt about every piece of evidence that's really pretty irrefutable in the science of this
3: when you use the word downsizing i mean i get what you're talking about the super bowl is basically a, a national holiday in america some places places of business give you the day off the 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 monday after as well but when you say downsizing with with high school kids what would be some of the uh, tangible things you would suggest?
22: Well, I say very bluntly that that uh, this extracurricular activity does not belong on our public fields and in our public schools. Let the parents who are determined to uh, have their own sons pursue this activity do so in private clubs. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's no reason why the farm system... For football should be on the backs of our k12 public schools our community colleges and our state public universities
3: when you think about um, strength and conditioning practices uh, as well and, and and I'm with you that my you know my football coaches I had uh, some guys that were good and I, I had some real psychopaths uh, as well what about as they sort of rule unchecked as judge, jury, and executioner in these programs, what about you know the the malfeasance of people who shouldn't can't get a teaching credential but are out there on the practice field?
22: Yeah, it's really appalling. Uh, it, it, my book uh, tells uh, the story of the the one time a coach has been prosecuted for uh, negligence in the exertional heat stroke death of a, a young athlete. of a teenage high school player in Louisville, Kentucky. But it also tells things like at the University of California, which is one of our great institutions of higher learning, probably the leading public university in the world, they're in the football business and you can't be in the football business without being dirty. And in 2014, uh, uh, the son of Nigerian immigrants from Southern California, Ted Agu, who was a carrier of sickle cell trait, which is something carried by one in twelve African American men, uh, died during an extreme, bizarre, uh, dreamed-up conditioning drill by the strength and conditioning coach under Coach Sonny Dykes, who's now the toast of college football as the uh, as the coach of the uh, of TCU, which was in the national championship game last year. So. I dare to raise the subject, the, the question of whether uh, we need to get beyond civil and intercriminal in some of these cases, because in the Agu case, after Cal covered up the fact that he was a sickle cell trait carrier and had, the, had pushed the coroner to uh, name the cause of death a generic heart failure, only to have to acknowledge that it was, in fact, exertional sickling. During the family's wrongful death lawsuit, they turn around and write a $4.75 million check, and that's the cost of doing business in this uh, highly profitable football industry right now. But is it consonant with good, sound, sane public health values? That's the question that my book raises.
3: Yeah, Sonny Dykes, by the way, was a terrible coach at Cal. I remember the Ted Agu case. That was about 10 years ago. It was... It was uh, really bad. Um, Do you also think, like, I just remember, and I played college football in the 80s, but I remember getting my physical, and the doctor put the stethoscope on my chest, and he immediately took it off, and he went, whoa. He goes, you know, you got a heart murmur. Do you know that? And I was like, yeah. And they went, okay. And years (laughs) years later, the doctor listened to my heart. I go, do you hear a murmur? And he's like, no. And I go, I had one in college. And they go, yeah, it probably just went away. What about finding out guys that have, like I remember when Hank Gathers died on the court at Loyola Marymount, you know, his heart condition. Just recently, Bronny James with his heart condition. Um, maybe physicals? That could be something. Actually give a real physical instead of just turn your head and cough?
22: Yeah, well, well here's the problem with that. Well, first of all, really driven jocks, and, and we've had these cases with the— uh, Marfall syndrome, you know, basketball players who had sudden heart attacks and died. They keep shopping until they find it they find the doctor who's mm. going to sign off on on clearing them to play. That's 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 on the on on the uh, extreme elite athlete end of it. But but on the other end, you you have things like AGU. The NCAA has at Division 1 uh, at least, I believe it's some other levels as well now, does make it ma- does make it mandatory for football programs to offer a uh, sickle cell trait screening for its players. And Ted Agu opted in and he was found to be a carrier. But what does that mean in practice if they don't do anything about it when a player is in distress in practice and they're, you know, instructed to just power through it? So there's only so much you can do with, the, with this tinkering of regulations and standards and practices and customs to, to make football safer. I'm sure it helps, but it doesn't uh, ameliorate the bottom line that this is an existential, existentially, fundamentally unsafe thing to do. And uh, we should be making sure that those who participate in this wildly popular sport are self-selected gladiators and not this kind of general population uh, pushed into doing it so that their boily boys can be transformed into manly men.
3: I coached high school football for three years, and I can tell you at least half were there because their dads made them or they just wanted to hang out with their friends. That's why you you have to treat them with a more gentle hand than these college guys. It's a fascinating book. It's called Without Helmets or Shoulder Pads, The American Way of Death and Football Conditioning available right now from ECW Press from our guest Irvin Nick. Thank you so much for your time and congratulations on the book.
22: Thanks very much, Rick. I really appreciate
3: it. Okay, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports Byron.
13: Tittle ate two hundred chicken wings at yo mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
3: A couple minutes left. An hour number two of three. The Chicago Fire of MLS, the highest attendance they have ever had, was their first game in 1998 against the LA Galaxy, thirty-seven thousand one hundred and twenty-two. Well, they have already sold more than sixty-one thousand tickets for their upcoming game against Miami because the seven-time Ballon d'Or golden ball winner, Lionel Messi, is on Miami now. He picked the pink team because of Beckham. Uh, But he might not play. There are a lot of people that are super mad because Messi has missed the last three matches. He's hurt. What do you want? Well, the Fire have said anyone who buys a ticket will be given $50 towards another ticket in the future, or if you want season tickets, we'll throw $250 towards that. Their quote is, while we don't know yet the official status of Lionel Messi's availability for our match, as there's never a guarantee that an athlete will play on any given night due to several factors, we understand that many of our fans may be disappointed if they don't get to see the chance to see him play. We realize that there will be many in attendance who are coming to a Chicago Fire match at Soldier Field for the first time, and we're excited to welcome them to the Fire family and give them an opportunity to become long-term fans by creating a wonderful, fan-focused atmosphere. I think that's actually a really good idea. You know, hook them. Mike Kruko, the longtime Giants announcer and former Giant Philly and Cub, whenever anybody gets a foul ball Kruko always says fan for life <laughs> fan for life it's like well yeah I want to go see Messi and it's like well you want $50 to another game uh, 50 bucks, I can yeah I'll take that I think it's a really good idea I'm Rick Tittle and I have a good idea come back for another hour
17: USA News.
2: I'm Corey Myers. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has been ousted. That vote came despite a passionate plea from Oklahoma's Republican Congressman Tom Cole. Dave Collins has more.
14: The overwhelming majority of my party supports the speaker that we elected. We're proud of the leadership he's shown. A handful of
19: Republicans joined Democrats today to oust McCarthy. The push was led by Florida's Gates, who's angry McCarthy worked with Democrats to pass a short-term funding bill to keep the government open. This is the first time in U.S. history that a Speaker of the House has ever been voted out of office.
2: Former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was evicted from her private Capitol office by the new speaker pro tempore Patrick McHenry. Pelosi responded, saying with all of the important decisions that the new Republican leadership must address, which we are all eagerly awaiting, one of the first actions taken was to order me to immediately vacate my office in the Capitol. The former speaker said office space doesn't matter to her but it seems important to the Republicans. Day two of former President Trump's civil trial in the books. Former President Trump and his
20: associates, including his two sons, were back in a Manhattan courtroom for the second day in a civil fraud trial. Trump again blasting prosecutors on his way into the New York courthouse.
11: This case should be dismissed. This is not a case. should probably be also. Trump
20: also telling reporters he will take the stand at the appropriate time. They're accused of inflating property values for better loans and insurance rates. New York Attorney General Letitia James is pursuing a $250 million fine and a ban on Trump's company operating in New York. The judge has imposed a limited gag order on the case. I'm
2: John Schaefer. This is USA News. Donald Trump has dropped off the Forbes 400 list of richest Americans. Forbes magazine said yesterday the former president is no longer rich enough to be included on the annual list. Trump is still a billionaire worth an estimated $2.6 billion. But Forbes says that's down from last year when he was valued at $3.2 billion. say
6: taco, they say taco. Taco, taco, taco.
2: Today is a national taco day. We only need to grab some tortillas and stuff them with savory fillings we love from the traditional carne asada, cheese, tomato, lettuce, and sour cream to maybe more exotic delights like fish, chorizo, even tongue, apparently, to name just a few of the meat component alternatives. Even the word stuff is no accident. Many people believe the word taco derives from the Spanish a taco, meaning to Stuff. one of the greatest things about national taco day all the freebies and great value deals that are knocking around todd and julie chrisley are teaching classes in federal prison to reduce their sentences the couple's daughter savannah told usa today they include finance classes which she called ironic since her parents were convicted of fraud the couple portrayed themselves as real estate tycoons in the south on their usa network shows I'm Corey Myers, USA News.
3: And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Coast to coast. Never heard of Mark Pullman's until today. Mark Pullman's a professional Australian tennis player. And he was at the Shanghai Masters today. And he was in a um, match that uh, he was uh, leading um, against uh, Stefano Napolitano, good Irish guy. Seven six seven three six 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 five. We had match point. Um, it's best of three there. But he came in and he missed a volley at his ankles. It tied the tiebreaker at six to six, and he was frustrated. And he hit the ball really hard, but he hit it directly into the umpire's face. Ben Anderson. And he immediately disqualified him. Yes. And if he qualified, if he had got that point, just to make it to the next round, he would have got over $18,000. And (laughs) so he missed out on $18,000. But you might remember about five, six years ago in the Davis Cup, there was a Canadian player who did the same thing. He drilled a ball. It hit the umpire in the face. That guy was disqualified, but that guy needed surgery to repair his fractured orbital bone. You think these guys don't hit the ball hard? I mean, it's hard to believe. I got hit in the plenty of times by tennis balls, but I—it's hard to believe it would. But you know, some people are soft, and they can't help it—softy, bofty. But just think about it—you're about to win, get eighteen point six thousand dollars to go to the next round. And you fire it right into the umpire's face. And no amount of sorrys. <laughs> Put your sorrys in a sack, George Costanza. All right, JD Sharp's on the other side from Pro Wagering. We'll talk about the <clears throat> his analysis of the upcoming games. We have four more wild card games. Lots of baseball. Lots and lots and lots of baseball. one 800 a play. The Twitter's at Rick Total. Email Rick at SportsByline.com. Get on back.
1: Pricing information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654. that's eight hundred nine one five ninety six fifty
15: four. at prizepicks.com slash buyline for a first deposit matchup to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
20: This is J.D. Sharp. I've been developing a revolutionary sports handicapping service, and you can be a part of the beta. Sign up at betus.com with a deposit of as little as $50 and use the promo code SHARPBETTING. Email a screenshot of your account to WorldwideSharp at gmail.com, and I'll reply personally with my plays. My NFL record this season was an industry-best 72-33, and 33, and this is the only way to know all my plays the moment I make them. Let's keep making money together.
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the program. Uh, We're waiting for J.D. Sharp. If we get him, we'll throw him on the air real quick or we'll move him. But let's talk about the analysis. The Rangers shut out the Rays last night, and Tampa Bay will need to relocate their offense very quickly if they wish to avert a second sweep in as many years in the wild card series. You might remember that they managed just One run in 24 innings against Cleveland last year. And even after being shut out uh, Tuesday, they are the hosts and uh, they're going to stay there. They just need to win two more games at home. And Tampa Bay produced just six hits and committed a, a franchise playoff record four errors. Their defense really let... Glasgow down yesterday on the bump, right? Kevin Cash, the Rays manager, said, We didn't play a very good, clean baseball game by any stretch. We didn't hit, pitch, or defend when you're going up against a good team. They're going to capitalize, and eventually they did. And so someone said, What are you going to tell your team for uh, today? He said, Win. Al Davis. He took the middle word of the three. Well, the Rangers were able to accomplish that goal uh, of winning <laughs> the series opener. Despite going two for 13 uh, with runners in scoring position, they left 13 men on base. Corey Seeger had a two-run single, and Laodice Tavares and Evan Carter had two hits apiece. Carter reached base all four times, by the way. So Tampa Bay is going to go to Zach Eflin, and 16-8 um, and eight with a 3.5 ERA. And uh, Nate Evaldi, 12-5 and five also, about the same ERA. Uh, Eflin grew up in Orlando, and he said, I remember growing up when Tampa Bay went to the World Series in 2008. Growing up, like well, I guess that is 15 years ago. <laughs> and Eflin admitted to that. Um, you know, the reason why he signed a 40 million dollar three year contract with Tampa Bay in December was because he thought they were a playoff team. Whenever anybody compares the Rays to the A's, just just right there, the, Ray, the A's would never give $40 million <clears throat> to a pitcher. He said that was probably my biggest goal this offseason was to sign with a team that wins consistently in the playoffs. It just helped that I grew up a really big Rays fan, and I live two hours away. This is exactly the scenario that I wanted to be in. I'm really happy with everybody on the team and all the perseverance that we've had this year to get to this point. Like I said, we're really excited, really stoked to get going. Uh, Eflin had a horrific showing in his lone career appearance against Texas. He allowed seven runs on 11 hits and four innings and a 9-3 loss. That was five years ago and he was pitcher for the Phillies. Now, Evaldi, it's hard to believe he's 33 already, but he hopes his performance in October is uh, much better than the one he turned in last month because um, in six starts in December, he only won one game and his ERA was 9.3. But Bruce Bochi, Rangers manager, said that he saw a lot of positives in his last start he said, no, his stuff was there. It wasn't where we were hoping it would be. I'm sure he was hoping it would be. I'm talking about his delivery, the stuff, everything. They just found a way to get some hits there. But, no, he showed the stuff and uh, really the command. And I think you look at the early go in that game, and he was the pitcher that we really know. That's a nice way of saying it. Evaldi faced the race twice this season, 2-0 and with a 2 9 that's uh, that's not bad. So Texas has a real shot to close this out. The other game in the American League, the Blue Jays on the road against the Twins. Remember we talked about the Twins won their first playoff game in 19. And, uh, you know, they're looking to win their first series in 21 years. And uh, <clears throat> if you think about Sonny Gray versus uh, Jorge Barrios, the former twin himself, but Sonny Gray, I mean, A's first-round pick out of Vanderbilt, good guy. Um, I don't want to say I know him now, but I knew him for a while. Interviewed him a few times in person. You know, J.D. was yesterday talking about how good Royce Lewis is. What did he do? He hit two home runs. And Rocco Baldelli, former Ray, he's the manager in Minnesota, and he said... I think it's... uh, Oh, there's my national alert. This is a test. I think it's fine to celebrate that when he talked about the postseason skid. I also think there's not one person in our clubhouse who doesn't realize there's a lot of work still to be done. So, uh, John Schneider, they said, What do you got? He goes, It's all hands on deck. These guys know what it's going to take to get everybody to game three. They usually say... Uh, The pitcher that day in an elimination game is named Holstaff. Yes. And the Twins hope that that doesn't come to that. But the last time they won a playoff series was the one I was talking to that I went to in 2002 when they beat the A's. So, Barrios, 12 losses this year, but 3.65 ERA, not a lot of... Hell, but as I said, he's no stranger to Target Field. He was there for six years and made three postseason appearances <clears throat> for the Twins. 0 one with a three seven five. He said, I'm going to enjoy it because I've got family here. I've got my little one, Diego. He was born in Minnesota. It's going to be special. Also pitching against old friends, old teammates. I love pitching in this ballpark because the dugout is so close, so I look like I throw a 100. that's pretty good it's not uh not bad all right no jd today okay uh fair enough um this will be barrios's sixth start against um the twins he's three and one with a 4.03 just throwing it in there just in case but as i said sunny gray uh, during the regular season 8 and 8 but with a 279 outstanding 33 years old hard to believe he's old. I had him on the day he got drafted um his final seven starts a 154 it's crazy um sunny gray was always good in the playoffs with the A's in fact if you take his playoff uh with the A's and when he was with the Yankees he's got a 2.95 ERA, 0 and 2. Uh his career ERA in 15 starts against the Blue Jays is a 2.91. This is his first career playoff start in 6 years though. He said I was very fortunate early in my career, I got to pitch in the playoffs, I got to taste that, and then having a couple losing seasons and now having a chance to pitch in the playoffs is so rewarding. I said this a couple of years ago, said it a couple of days ago, and I still truly believe it It is truly, truly, truly the only reason that I am still playing this game. Yeah, early in his career, that would be uh, Oakland. Those are the American League games. We'll come back, take a look at the senior circuit. I'm Rick Tittle. Get on back.
8: Who's watching? Tell me who's watching? Who's watching me?
1: it's 867 6917
16: President Biden recently released a massive $6 trillion budget, the largest budget in U.S. history. And guess who pays the bill? That's right. You, the American taxpayer. American citizens and business owners will be paying more taxes. That's a fact.
13: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
3: Uh, I feel bad about that now. One 878 Play one eight hundred eight seven eight seven five two nine. Get in and get hurt. Get get hurt. <clears throat> Did you get that thing on your phone? That message, whatever, from the government. Did you get that, Dom? No. In the last segment, Dominic. No. Dominate commanders? No? Okay. Um, Somebody told me that um, beware the 5G blast that was coming to all American cities. Did we get a 5G blast through our brains? 1 800 878 play. Get in and get heard, y'all. Crumpling up pavers like. Who's <clears> that guy? Lee not Lee Harvey. All right. Uh, why don't I talk some sports? The uh Brewers are on the brink against the Snakes. And uh Freddie Peralta got moved up a day to try to salvage the season for Milwaukee. Um he's also got moved up because Brandon Woodruff is out. And the D-Backs are in their first Playoff series in six years, and they won the opener six to three. And Corbin Burns, former Gale, uh, three home runs they hit off him, and he had a three nothing lead. Torrey Lavolo, Dymax manager, he said, I mean, you win game one, it feels good. We have to do it right and take nothing for granted and stay humble and come out here and play our finest game today and try and close them out. Well, this is the thing. The Brewers clinched that Central Division pretty early, and they set it up for Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. But as I mentioned, Burns got beat, and Woodruff is hurt. So Peralta won twelve games. The ERA was three eight six, and Peralta has uh, not pitched for um, ten days because he was uh, scratched to give him extra rest for this. Meanwhile, Zach Gallen, who is a fantastic pitcher, 17-9, 3-4-7, he gets the nod today. And if they have to play tomorrow, Merrill Kelly, 12-8 and eight with a 3-2-9. These two guys got burned uh, over the weekend to try to get them there. They lost four straight to close the season, but they did get in through the back door. And <clears throat> uh, yesterday, Corbin Carroll, Probably Rookie of the Year, Kettle Marte, back-to-back homers in the third. Got it to 3-3. Gabriel Moreno, leadoff homer in the fourth, up 4-3. And then Burns walked two more guys, and he was out. Lavulo said, when you get to a pitcher like Corbin Burns and you get him out of the game in the fifth inning, you are doing a lot right. And so I feel like we had a really good game plan Tuesday. This is the other thing that I hate when they say game plan in baseball. What is the game plan? We're going to try and score runs. Now, if you could say we're going to play small ball and manufacture, or I'm going to have everybody swing for a home run, or we're going to do a lot of hit and runs, or you know we're going to make everybody wait for one strike. There are a lot of different philosophies, but there's no such thing as a game plan in baseball. Just get on base and score runs. Rick, that's not true. You can turn the running game on and off. You can uh, go with an opener and like, ah, whatever. I just always laugh when I hear game plan in baseball. <clears throat> and even when they put in Devin Williams to keep the Brewers close at one run, he gave up two runs in the ninth. But it's not like Milwaukee didn't have opportunities. They stranded 11 guys, three for 11 in risky business. The Brewers had the bases loaded with no outs in the fifth. Goose egg. Bryce Tarang struck out. Evan Longoria, leaping catch (laughs) of Tyrone Taylor's scorching liner and doubled off the runner. Craig Council, manager of the Brewers, said we did a great job putting pressure on them for five of the – First six innings, I think the leadoff hitter, I I felt like he was probably on five out of those six. Longoria made a great play, and we got caught off there. <clears throat> so, uh, Peralta last fifteen starts of the season, seven and three with a three oh nine. He did lose his last two though. But Peralta versus the Diamondbacks career three and zero with a zero five five. Now he hasn't pitched again again in a couple of years, but that's onage as it is defined. And he's also been pretty effective in the uh, in the postseason. He's pitched in three games with a 1-1-3. One, one, Gallen in September came down to earth a little bit, 3-3 three and three with a 4-1-7. But his last two starts, he only gave up two runs over 12 and a third. He's three and three with a one seven five and six career starts versus Milwaukee. He pitched against them twice this year, and he only allowed one run in fourteen innings, one both. Lavula said, they're gonna come with everything they have, that's for sure. I feel much better than I would be if we lost game one. I know that. But we beat their ace. We're going we beat their ass. We beat their ace. We're going to try to they're trying to beat ours tomorrow, so we'll be ready to go. <clears throat> and then we get Uh, Miami at Philadelphia. This is Aaron Nola going up against um, Garrett of the Fish. And Nola has not won a game since uh, August. If he wins tonight, they go to the Division Series, the NLDS, as we like to say. I remember with my dad one time, I said, how about the ALCS? He goes, "It's the American League Championship Series. No one calls it the ALCS. I go, "I I think they do now. But they're looking for the sweep. They won four to one yesterday. Nola was twelve and nine with a four-four six, but his last five starts 0-1 with about five and a half. And he never even pitched in the playoffs until last year when the Phillies won the pennant and lost to Houston in six, two and two with a four nine one and four starts. Nola said a little bit easier since I kind of experienced it last year. I know what to expect a little bit more. But I'm just going to treat it like another game because it is another game. It's just later on in the season. A certain amount of teams are in the postseason. Obviously, it's a little bit bigger stakes than a game during the year, but it's still another game, still the same game. I've got to go out and make my pitches. It's not the same. (laughs) Not at all, but I get it. Right? He hasn't pitched for eight days. And uh, he said, I feel ready. My body feels healthy. I feel like I got some good work this week. So uh, Garrett is Braxton Garrett. He's been with the Marlins uh, for four years. He's never pitched in the playoffs. He had 30 starts this year, 9-7 and seven with a 3 6, six. He said, yeah, it's awesome. This is what I've dreamed of since I was a kid. It's crazy being here, no doubt. I've just worked incredibly hard, and as I mentioned, I made that arm slot change a couple years ago, and I feel like I really took off from there and kind of just built more and more confidence as each season went on. Yeah, of course it means a lot. I had one of my best years this year. I plan to continue to refine and make everything better and keep getting better. He said, no matter what, I am going... To go in confident and pitch the best I can. Do you know the name of the Marlins manager? Yes, that's right. Skip Shoemaker. He said, I think they know it's at stake. I think they know what this game means. We're going to do the same thing we've always done, is go on game plan and try and beat Nolan tomorrow. That's what we have always done and I don't think that's going to change tomorrow. Well, the Phillies certainly don't want to do anything different. In Game 1, Nicholas Castellanos, two doubles, knocked in a run. Trey Turner, two hits, two steals. Alec Boehm, uh, Bryson Scott, and Christian Pache each had an RBI hit. Christian Pache traded for Matt Olson, and then the A's cut him. Or did we trade him for... 5 bucks, whatever it was, they discarded him. Turner said, and he had a down year for him, especially the money he's making, but he said it was just a good team win. Roll in and try to get it done in next game. Every Philadelphia player in the starting lineup had at least one hit of the 11. Yeah, that is a team victory, Turner. Rob Thompson, the Phillies manager, said, I was happy with at-bats. I think that, yeah, that will build some confidence going into tomorrow, as he said yesterday. So um, I like Philadelphia's chances in this game. How could you not? Uh, Nola versus Garrett, and they're at home. But as I look through, I would love Tampa to win the next two. I don't care for the Rangers. They're an AL West opponent. Uh, and uh, Bochi's already got his rings. Sorry, Simeon, you play on the wrong team now, dude. Uh, Minnesota and Toronto, Uh, I don't like either of those teams. I think I'm going to root for Sonny Gray uh, in this one, and I really don't care who gets through that one. If I had to pick, man, that's hard. I can't pick. I hate both of them. I probably hate Minnesota more because of their old AL West days. Uh, Milwaukee and Arizona. I want Brew Crew to win in Philadelphia and Miami. I think it would be interesting if Miami won. Give us a, a game three. Armored Total lines are open, so come on back.
1: That's 800-965-1295.
7: Sometimes when I'm driving on the road at night, I see two headlights coming toward me. Fast, I have this sudden impulse to turn the wheel quickly, head on into the oncoming car. I can anticipate the explosion, the sound of shattering glass, the flames rising out of the flowing
5: gasoline. Right. Well, I have to go now, Duane, because I'm due back on the planet Earth.
13: Tittle ain't the man, but Rick Tittle know who the man is, and he slapped his white fanny.
3: All right, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. The lines are available, my adoring audience. Isn't Rick Tittle the best? It's a Jedi mind trick. These aren't the droids you want. I actually tried that one time, and it worked. And now when I, whenever I tell the story, though, I sound like a giant douche. But I'll tell it anyway, because it's this is brought to you by douches uh when I was in college, I was at a bar and um I did, uh, anyway, it was like a restaurant bar, and I said, "Do you guys have like pretzels or chips or peanuts?" And the lady goes, "I can give you a basket of chips, but it's five bucks. <clears throat> this is in the eighties I go five dollars that's not free no." I go sitting at the bar, you don't have free snacks? No. So nothing's free. She's like, no. I go, so the chips aren't free. She goes, all right, they're free. <laughs> oh, Jedi. <clears throat> <laughs> By the way, we're we're getting out of hand with all these <clears throat> color rush, hometown, throwback, whatever. Goofy, I even mean, the Bengals were wearing all white the other day with white helmets. Well, guess what? <clears throat> for the first time in the history of the 63-year-old franchise that is the Denver Donkeys, they're going to wear white helmets for two games. They haven't announced the two games, but they put the helmet in the snow with the mountains and some trees behind it. Over the course of their history, they've worn an orange helmet, a blue helmet, and even a brown helmet. They've never worn a white helmet before. And they say they're going with a white helmet and a white face mask to pay homage, as we used to say, pay homage to the Rocky Mountains. And they're also going back to the D with the horse blowing a snot rocket. Yeah. That old logo. And so um, the thing is, though, you don't rush out and buy a helmet, right? That's that's what I would think. You don't really do that. Uh, but anyway, they're one in three, and I guess they need something for us to talk about. Also uh, in the NFL, I don't know if you heard, but Travis Kelsey is going out with Taylor Swift. <laughs> and... We even had bets last week from Bet Online, J, let, J, dot, dot ag. There were about 20 props, which I read on the uh, air. But during the uh, podcast that Jason does with uh, his brother Travis, uh, Travis said that he's getting sick of it and they're overdoing it. Travis said, I think it's fun when they show who's at the game. I think it brings a little bit more atmosphere, brings a little bit more to what you're watching, but at the same time they're overdoing it a little bit. And then uh, Jason did set up his brother a little bit and leading him towards that answer because he gave his opinion. He said, "I, I just think the NFL is not used to celebrities coming to the games. Like basketball has it all figured out. They're all courtside. They're they're sitting there. They show them once or twice, but then they get back to the game. Well, when it comes to Jason's Eagles, a lot of times they'll show Mike Trout, who's a New Jersey guy, a Philly guy. That's the thing you got to remember. You go right across the river and you in Camden there, Trenton, Princeton. It's all right there. So you see Mike Trout, you see Bradley Cooper, sometimes you see my guest Jake Tapper, a huge Eagles fan. <clears throat> uh, but Swift has such a stranglehold on pop culture, everything she does is under the microscope. I thought it was funny, last Friday I had Chris Porter in studio, and stand-up comedian. He's a huge Kansas City fan, being that he's from there, and... I asked him about Travis Kelsey's ex-girlfriend who said, watch out, all he does is cheat. And I said, is that her being a hater or her being helpful? And Chris made a good point. He said, "Travis, uh, um, Taylor Swift is the most impossible girl to cheat on in the world because wherever they go, everyone will have a million phones up and recording, So now it's going to be the same for Travis. Wherever he goes, there's going to be a phone, so you will see him. He can't do it in public. All right, another NFL note. The Chargers have not used cornerback J.C. Jackson in recent weeks, and uh, now they uh, are never going to use him again. Uh, this guy was all pro, and he said he was confused that uh, he got benched, and now he's been traded to the Patriots his original team, in a swap of some late-round picks. The Chargers have sent um, a sixth, and uh, the Patriots have sent a seventh. But this just comes right after a year into his five-year, $82.5 million deal, but it marks the end of a pretty tumultuous stint with the Bolts. He couldn't play when he got there. He did his ankle, and then he got benched, in his first season, and then he tore his patellar tendon, was out for the year. Then he came back, was deactivated week three, didn't get any snaps last week. Then he had a warrant issued for his arrest because of a criminal speeding violation. He did thrive with the Patriots, who he was an undrafted rookie in 2018, And in four seasons, he had 25 interceptions. He led the league with interceptions with nine in the pandemic year. And New England is going to thrust him right back in the starting lineup because the rookie, Christian Gonzalez, has banged up. Jonathan Jones, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones. That's right. They got three keeping up with the Joneses, (laughs) the DBs there. And the Chargers and Patriots will play each other in uh, week 13. But, I mean, How do you, if you're a Chargers fan, you can just say, well, it's, that was kind of a waste of a transaction, but you can't really attribute it to what the defense is doing now because they don't play him. And you just wonder why not. Yesterday I had Dean Tolson on the show and he said, uh, yeah, I got drafted by the seat, the, uh, Sonics and Bill Russell didn't play me. I said, why? He goes politics. So it was the politics. Because I'm a transition player. I guess so he just wanted you to rebound, kick it out, not bring the ball up the court. He goes, he wanted me to look like I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> you should pick up that book. It's called Wait for It. Ready? Power Forward. <clears throat> so, uh, is Jackson worth his big money deal? No. Will he get back to his peak form under Bill Belichick? Yeah. I saw another article today. It said how long until Bill Belichick has to go. As someone who doesn't like the Patriots, I say I'd like to see that happen right now because they're going to get much, much, much worse without him. One more NFL note as I'm jumping around here. The Colts placed Jonathan Taylor on the pup list on August 29th as a roster cut down because of his surgically repaired right ankle that he hurt last year and, of course, put a pause on all the drama of him asking for a trade. He's in the final year of his four-year rookie contract, and he's frustrated about it. This is a guy that led the NFL in rushing a couple of years ago, and he's making $4.3 million, and that's not enough for him. So, I mean, it's basically... What's that about $260,000 per game? But uh, training camp opened in July and he didn't show up. And then Jim Mersey, of course, ignited the social media feud with all his comments about him during the early part of the preseason and then saying uh, he won't be traded now or in October. And uh, he characterized running backs wanting changes to be made because of being paid underpaid as bad faith. Well, Malki Kawa, who's Taylor's agent, he went on Twitter and then he said Ursay is in bad faith because he won't play his best player. And then the agent said the relationship between Taylor and the Colts is beyond repair. Yeah, I heard that before. Elizabeth Taylor and Mr. Burton. Uh, Ursay was uh, adamant that he wouldn't trade him, and then they said that they would trade him, apparently, from rumors, but they needed a first-round pick. Well, now he's eligible to come off the pup. He's recovered from his injury, and the Colts opened a 21-day practice period. Shane Steichen has not uh, ruled out him playing uh, against the Titans on Sunday. That means he has to be activated, and uh, that will eliminate one scenario of, of Taylor's contract where he would be required to repeat his contract next year instead of the one expiring after this season. In the unlikely event that he isn't activated, he would remain on the pup list for the rest of the season his contract would only toll under this circumstance if he's deemed actually physically un- unable to perform, which is what PUP stands for. And then the NFL Plays Association, of course, would file a huge grievance on his perfa- uh, perha- behalf. Um, Taylor has not rescinded his trade request, by the way. And the trade deadline is Halloween, at 4 o'clock Eastern. And the GM, Chris Ballard, said that he hoped that they would patch things up. But we hear that the Dolphins are still interested, the Packers are still interested. And the most hilarious thing was the um, the reports were, and this sounds like Ursay, he said, we will trade you Jonathan Taylor straight up for Jalen Waddle," And the Dolphins were like, yeah, we're good. I mean, if Jonathan Taylor... Leads the league in rushing. Maybe that would make sense. But then they said that they're looking for what Carolina got from the Niners, from McCaffrey, which was second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round. And by the way, is there a Niners fan in the world that doesn't like that trade? I bet there is. I bet you there's one guy. Oh, that's a lot of picks, man. Picks, schmicks. Did you see... The Raiders' top pick? Do you see what a wide receiver did to him, a defensive end? <laughs> All right, I'll we'll take a quick break. Come on back.
8: <laughs> off, really really I wonder if my friends will ever be a party.
16: Some published authors are making significant money, so join the ranks of the successful people that finish their books with help from Dorrance Publishing. Call right now, and our experienced editors and writers will explain to you what it's going to take to get your book completely written, published, and then taken to market to sell it. It's a free consultation, so call right now. Find out how much time and money it takes to finally get that book idea of yours published. Make your dreams happen. Call Doran's Publishing right now.
1: 800 485 6003. 800 485 6003. 800 485 6003. That's 800 485 6003.
18: Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you.
1: That's 800-211-6008. It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister,
18: if you don't shut up, I'm going to kick 100% of your ass.
8: Heart to beat every time she walks down the street. Another girl in the neighborhood. Wish she was mad, she looks so good. I wanna hold her, wanna hold her tight. Yeah, kicks right the
13: night. Rick Tiddles got a black belt in keeping it real.
3: Thank you for that. Closing out the show with a uh An interesting note from the NCAA, they have voted to shrink the transfer portal across all D1. Yeah, that's right. Changes are coming because the transfer protocol used to be 60 days and now will be 45 days. And that will be effective in all sports and will be in place in this academic year. College football will have two transfer windows, as it did prior, but it'll just be less time for players to enter their name. And so um, as defined by the college football playoff, uh, at the end of the regular season, the window will open for 30 days and then another 15 days in April. So those will be your 45 days. Players will have to contact the other schools, And they can transfer at any time without any penalty once they've entered the portal and provided they have not already used their one-time transfer waiver. You might know that kid in North Carolina. Why don't they let me play? Let me play. It's like, well, because you used it twice. And they go, so what? It's not hurting anyone. It's not hurting anyone. I understand. They're like, yeah, but if we let you, then we got to let everybody. Rick, you sound really harsh. I, I mean, I say let them play. What do I care? But if you let him do it, then everybody will transfer twice in a year, right? Am I insane? Uh, Probably. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. pack time.